the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. I wasn't looking for U.S. GDP to have a growth spurt above and beyond what economists were expecting. The U.S. economy grew at a 6.9% annual rate in the fourth quarter. That's a significant acceleration, and I'll tell you, I'm guilty. Anecdotally, I spent a lot during the holidays. I traveled twice. Um, that's pent-up demand. That's real business. That's real activity. I mean, flight attendants, Uber drivers, hotels, restaurants, waiters. Got to see an influx of cash flow from mine. I saw an outflow, pent-up demand. So the economy growing at a 6.9% annual rate is insane. Do you want to know why? Okay, okay, raise your hand. Okay, okay, you, you in the back. Wah, 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 wah. Oh, the question was, why is growing at 6.9% stunning? Because it's the United States freaking fracking economy. It's huge. If you were to ask me things that probably you won't see in your lifetime, and yes, you can get a recession. And yes, you can get demand being you know simmering there, simmering there, simmering there, and with nowhere to go, and the pot finally boiling over. It's a nice surprise. It's a nice reminder. Now, here's the bad news. That's why we saw all the inflation that we've seen in the last three months. That's probably why the Federal Reserve thought inflation would be transitory. They thought the GDP would come in more around three to 4%, 6.9% blows my freaking fracking mind. It's like the first time you ever had a tongue kiss. It's like, whoa, I didn't know I, I would feel that in my toes. I even felt it in my hair and hair is dead, isn't it? So this is a big number. Strong consumer spending despite Omicron induced slowdown in December. Accounted for the bulk of the growth in the fourth quarter. Growth in private inventory investment as retailers and wholesalers look to restock supplies also contributed significantly. What that tells me inside the GDP numbers is we have a lot of inventory on shelves in stores and warehouses. Remember how we were expected massive shortages at Christmas? Uh Uh-uh. The retailers, they they planned ahead and they double ordered. That's going to be good news and bad news. Down the road, it's going to create deflation as they have to lower prices to move product, to get new product. So despite strong growth in the fourth quarter, the fact is that it was led by a massive surge in inventories. Uh, The good thing about inventories, bad thing about inventories, right? Let's talk about it real quick. If we have stuff on the shelf or stuff in the factories that's already been made, that's waiting to ship, or stuff that's shipped that's waiting to be unloaded, that's inventory, right? It's already been made, so the worker has already been paid. Which means now until it's consumed, do you see where this is a problem? Of the, the number's huge. It's good and bad news. 
it basically means that there should be a lull in hours worked in the coming months. The Dow fell yesterday as the Fed policy weighs. Apple earnings are coming out today after the market. In the last couple of days, we've seen some, what I would refer to as biggins coming to the market's rescue. Tesla had a very nice quarter. Microsoft had an amazing quarter. But in a market, it's kind of shoot first, ask questions later. Today, Microsoft is up nine points. It's got a teeny tiny little dividend of under 1%. The public cloud is widely considered to be the future of the enterprise computing, which is very, very profitable. And yet momentum is shifting for Microsoft as the company's ongoing shift to subscriptions, particularly in the office products, takes root. For years and years and years, I had to have computers that had my own copy of Outlook on it. I didn't really like the idea of the cloud. And then originally, when let's face it, when we're all using the cloud, sometimes it was slow, sometimes it didn't sync correctly. But through the years, I've become more and more addicted to, hey, I can go to the mountains and see all my emails. Hey, I can go to office and see all my emails. Hey, I can stay at work at home and see all my emails. Hey, I can be on my phone and see all my emails. The office integration of 365 in the cloud has been pretty darn impressive. And at 75, 80 bucks a year, whatever it is, I feel I'm going to be stuck in it for a while. I'm not a Gmail user. I'm not going to say if you ever see a Gmail from me, I'll give you $10,000, but I'm not a Gmail user. Okay, so onward and upward, okay? Um, All stocks look a little bit higher today. All stocks were doing well yesterday, and the Fed started talking, and they said the word inflation one too many times in the press conference. And I'm like, okay, we get it. You're focused on inflation. So they're focused on inflation. So expect a Fed rate hike in March. Expect one at the meeting after, at the meeting after, at the meeting after, at the meeting after, until we stop saying home prices are up 10, 15, 20%. Until we stop saying used car prices are up 10, 15, 20%. Until we stop saying steak is $30 a pound or $35 a pound or $40 a pound. Chicken is, you know, cross that $10 a pound. Like we have to stop saying things like that. The advanced fourth quarter GDP showed real GDP increasing at an annual rate of 6.9%. Initial jobless claims for the weekend decreased by 30,000 to 260,000. So if you're looking for the labor market to help, it's not going to. The labor market, we're at not full employment, pretty darn close. You'll never guess like that exact moment, like that was the best moment ever in the history of our labor. Or that was the best in the last 30 years. It's not going to happen that way. We're not firing people. The economy is still working. Bear markets destroy a lot of money and a lot of wealth. A correction stock market feels like it's underway and it's worn out so far in the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ. The Russell 2000, a collection of smaller stocks based in the United States, has hit bear market territory. A lot of the growth names that we know and love have hit correction status, gone into bear market status, 20% from its recent highs. The question is on Wall Street, and this is a really this is what I'm thinking about. So you tell me if, if you're with me or against me on this one. How long does this process cha- take to really grab hold and say, okay, I get it. Growth stocks aren't going to be the winner this year that they were in the last three years. 
we need to pay more attention to value. How long will that transition take? The European debt crisis in 2011 felt pretty terrible, but then the market dropped by only about 20%. Some thought it would blow up the planet, the European debt crisis. That was a good reason for a bear market. The last big bear market we had. Now, again, we had one in 2020, March of 2020, when Omicron started to hit, but it only lasted like two weeks. It was over before it started. Is this going to be more of a 2000.com bubble? And again, it doesn't take you that long to think about it, where the rotation took about two and a half years from the growth stocks in the 90s. The SP 500 fell 50%. The NASDAQ fell 80%. At the end of it, ExxonMobil was the largest company by market cap. With oil pushing $100 a barrel, is Exxon going to be a trillion-dollar company that overjumps Google, that overtakes Tesla, that overtakes... Are we marking a new age of going back to fossil fuels as the market leaders? You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. A straightforward approach to managing your money. The Rob Black Show. A personal financial plan with custom investment advice. That's why Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP services were built with you in mind. How can they help you? Find out at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. If you watch football for your life, you've probably seen some pretty big changes in the game. If you haven't watched football in 40 years and turned it on, you'd be like, that's not the way I remember it. You would see a lot more advertising on the sidelines. You'd see a lot more advertising on the, on the, on the field, a lot more advertising on the jerseys. You'd say the quarterbacks of the 1980s don't look like the quarterbacks of the 2020s. If we look at running backs and the importance of the running game in the 1990s with people like Emmett Smith, you'd say, well, now it's all about the short pass. It goes the long pass. It goes to protect the quarterback. There's, it's transitions, right? You get that. Same thing's happening on Wall Street right now. Oh, Ben Roethlisberger is retiring from the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's a big hulk of a man who can throw the football. His physical abilities have eroded over time. And if you take a look at quarterbacks who are left in the top echelon every year, people were idolizing. They've got mobility. They've got strength. They've got creativity. They're not drop back pocket quarterbacks necessarily. Um, So it's changed again, not perfect. This is not the perfect analogy, but like I said, the era of the running back is given away to the era of the quarterback. And it's not a surprise the quarterback is top paid dude out there. It's not surprising that some of the best running backs in the game don't make as much money as the quarterbacks. Um, Same thing's happening on Wall Street right now. An era is ending. The premium for growth is going to be replaced with, let's do a little bit of homework and valuation on companies that we're buying. I'm okay when you put it that way. The recent market volatility a correction doesn't bother me in any way, shape, or form. 
I look at corrections and on a five-year basis and go, where am I today versus where was I five years ago? Am I happy? Hell yes, I'm happy. You should be too, I'm thinking, unless you're doing something terribly wrong. Investing isn't supposed to be instant gratification, yet it becomes instant gratification. Last year, we talked about the SP 500 hitting 60 all-time highs, 62 all-time highs, 64 all-time highs, and it just became obnoxious. I would start the show like, um, we're wealthy, what do you say? We're wealthy, what do you say? That's obnoxious. Too much. Now that we're going into volatility, I go, when's this going to end? Have you ever been on a plane? And I know you have, where turbulence starts coming in. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. I I just feel like I'm about to pass out. we're, We're bouncing around a little bit too much. And it keeps going on and on and on. Um, when is it over? It's kind of a dread uh, when you have marital issues and you want the fighting to stop. You're like, when's it going to be over? When you go in to get your prostate checked, you kind of want like, okay, this is only going to take a couple seconds, right? And it's like a minute in, you're like, um, did you lose something? <laughs> and you're like, come on, dude. Um, I know you're saying that's too much information. It's the dread. It's the when is it over? And we got a little that going right now with volatility on the markets. Amazon considered expanding into another staple of everyday life. They're getting into, no, they're not getting into, they were considering getting into selling gas. They're basically trying to set up a 7-Eleven type scenario where you go to the store, you pick up your orders, and you get gas while you're there. Pretty interesting, right? Amazon is always makes you scratch and go, huh, is that for real? The Tesla Cybertruck is going to be delayed hopefully until next year. That is not the big news. What the big news is Ford's going to beat them to an electric vehicle truck. And that's going to be something that Elon Musk regrets, but has he done the best he could? Maybe. Amazon stopped its program that paid employees to tweet positively about the company. Amazon paid ambassadors to tweet nice things about their place of work. They stopped doing that at the end of 2021. That's kind of creepy, is it not? Activision Blizzard has declined to voluntarily recognize a new union. Oh, boy. I wonder if Microsoft is going to regret buying these guys. Probably not, considering it's only going to be 2 to 3% dilution, and it's going to add to earnings pretty fast. Amazon has told employees to lead customers away from Microsoft or Google's iClouds. After a massive outage, Amazon Web Services, AWS, internal messages reveal how the company instructs employees to communicate about it. And they've basically told their employees, make sure you tell your clients not to use Microsoft or Google as a hedge. Not all is smooth within the world of Amazon. China is cracking down on celebrity gossip, the country's internet regulator, and I'll still be monitoring five types of online content, including celebrity gossip, excessive displays of wealth, soft porn, and much, much more. You know, for all the negatives we talk about China, like they're not really a purely capitalist country. 
it actually sounds kind of nice if they're going to cut down on celebrity gossip. I don't know why I care, but I, that to me, that's like, I feel like the news cycle we're in of politics and, and celebrities is just silly. Peloton's had a disastrous month. What a bad start for the year. The at-home fitness trend appears to be dead. Um, a lot of people think this is the poster child of what not to do as far as investors. Don't overpay with the idea that, oh, I've got, I could, I could pay a premium. Be careful on the premiums you pay. A chunk of a SpaceX rocket is on collision course with the moon. Um, we are creating a lot of space trash. And one of these pieces is going to hit the moon and we'll be talking about that in the coming months, coming weeks. Jerome Powell yesterday said inflation's here and we're going to fight it and we're going to start in March. From the reaction on CNBC and Bloomberg yesterday and people that I talked to in the industry, they want Jerome Powell to shut up and just raise interest rates. Inflation's right now above 2%, well above 2%, and there's a strong labor market. Raise rates. Now, again, I'm not doing his job. I'm an armchair quarterback. I'm a backseat driver. You are too. And it's easy to look at him and say, come on, just do it. And it's almost like that skinny, short guy threatening at a big muscle builder, muscle-bound, huge stack of a man. Come on, punch me. You're not going to be happy with the Fed raises interest rates, but it'll pass. But it's not going to feel good. I, I want to get it over with. But again, back chair, quarterback, right? That doesn't even make any sense. Back chair, quarterback. I'm mixing my metaphors. I'm a back chair quarterback. That's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with that one. I, that'll pass, right? You'll forget about it by the time we come back off break. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. Joining me now, Stephanie Richmond, Regional Director at EP Wealth. She's also a wealth advisor. She's in Northern California and she's a financial planner. Let's talk a little bit about what a financial planner does and how important it is retirement planning guide I have on my website. So we're going to hit a lot of topics there. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rob. Nice to be here. So, so we have some good downloadables at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. And one of the big ones, one of the step ones on envisioning your retirement, what's it look like? I know you have a lot of clients. I have to imagine in the Bay Area, there are a lot of different type of clients. Definitely. I, I mean, you know, from... Uh, young tech executives who want to retire early, right, to doctors who, you know, want to work well into their 70s because they love what they do so much, you know, to professors, to all kinds of professionals and, and families um, that are working towards retirement. So when they envision their retirement, that's going to be different for every one of them because someone who wants to work into their 70s versus maybe someone who's cashing out a big stock option on a tech play. Um, some probably want to travel the world. Some probably want to live frugally and save their money. Some want to be closer to friends and family. You probably have to go through an information gathering process. What's that look like and feel like to get to know someone kind of on a pretty intimate level? 
Uh, yeah, that's a really good question. And, you know, it, uh, as you said, retirement vision differs for everybody. I mean, there's some commonalities, sure. But I think when, when I start that da- data gathering process, the question I like to ask first is, you know, when you think about your retirement, what's most important to you? Okay. Right. So that's, 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 a, that's probably the biggest question. And then from there, I'll ask more specific questions, such as, you know, does that include travel or are you planning to stay in your current home or move? You know, where do your kids live? And, and so on. And that just opens up the conversation. So probably one of the things you have to do is you start figuring out what their goals are is how they're going to fund their goals. And you probably work with annual expenses and budgets. Is that a process? Do you find that a process for people who are coming to you for wealth management or have they done a pretty good job in their life at that point in time to create wealth? So therefore they know what's going on. You know, it's, it's really interesting when I reflect back, I've been doing, I've been working with individuals and their financial planning or retirement planning since 1993. And, you know, there's, there's individuals across the spectrum, people who are not prepared at all. They haven't even, they haven't sat down to think about what their retirement will look like and they haven't applied any numbers to it. You know, in other words, what it'll cost and they just don't want a budget. Right. So when I, when I ask them, you know, what do you think your retirement will look like and what will it cost? Um, they don't really have a clear answer. So it then truly is a process of deduction, right? And what I try to encourage them to do is really start thinking seriously about this anywhere from three to five years before they want to write, retire, you know, to see in, indeed if they can and, and, um, or validate their thoughts, in fact, that they, they truly can. And then you, got, you have folks on the other side of the spectrum. I, I worked a lot of my, uh, my years in Silicon Valley and Palo Alto, and it was really interesting. So I, I sat down with a lot of engineers, and, you know, oftentimes they came to me with detailed spreadsheets of their expenses. And, you know, they were, you know, uber prepared to consider how much it may cost. Uh, and so it, it runs the gamut. But the, the key is, is that working with perhaps a lump sum, thinking, oh, I can spend this, often doesn't work. You know, we want to give some consideration to the details as we get close to retirement because I had a, a client who had a lot of money, who still had a lot of money, by the way, uh, but threw a big number at me. And when we built their retirement plan, they, they didn't want to sit down and look at the details, by the way. Their plan failed. They just threw a big annual number and I went, wow. And so it was a bit surprising, but they said, well, why don't you lop this much off the top? And I thought, wow, that's a big number. So what happened when we did that, we found is that it still failed. But what was most interesting to me is that I didn't, they really didn't know how much they spent or they didn't really keep a close watch on it. And yeah. therefore, yes, um, it was definitely a process. And we sat down over the course of a few months to really work out their spending needs, what they might spend in future. And we're to show them if they, they took the steps to cut their expenses in certain areas that their plan would work and they could retire at age 60. When I was an investment advisor, I always found that the engineers were the toughest to work with because they had spreadsheets that were better than my spreadsheets, but I'm digressing. <laughs> I'm speaking no, with no, Stephanie I, Richmond. I hear you. <laughs> She's regional yeah. director and wealth advisor with EP Wealth. One more factor in this. It, it's not just about lump sums of money. It, it's also about how long you're going to live to live off that lump sum of money. Can you talk a little bit about determining your timeline for retirement? Because I had a dad who died 58 and a mom who died at 85. I don't know which way I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. 
If I go at the age of 58, I should be spending my money. If I go at the age of 85, I should be saving my money. How do you figure out a timeline for a client? Yeah, that's a really good question, Rob. You know, it does vary for everybody, and that's, of course, the, you know, the, the big question, and nobody really has a crystal ball. We have to look at our, our family history, and we also have to look at our, our health, right? How are we doing, and what are we doing to make sure you know, we're living you know, a lifestyle that will allow us to enjoy retirement for a while? And you know, I'm, it's funny. I'm very similar to you. My dad died when I was just 21. He was only 44 years old, and his diet, dad died at 42, and gosh, his father died at, at, at uh, 42 as well. So you know, looking at my father's side of the family, there was not a lot of longevity. On my mom's side, there's some of that as well, but she's still going strong at 82, right? So again, I'm with you. Who knows? But the key, the key to looking at uh, time frames is to plan long, right? Okay. I mean, right now, if you look at the average 65-year-old woman who's in good health, there's a 50% likelihood she's going to live to 85, Right? There's a 25% likelihood she's going to probably make it to 96, believe it or not. And for men, there's a 50% chance they're going to make it to a little over 83 and a 25% chance they might get to 94. So, you know, our goal here at EP, for example, is to plan to age 100. And sometimes we have a client, you know, balk at that saying, hey, that's way too long. I'm never going to make it. But, you know, the key is, is you don't want your money to run out before you do. And so it's better to plan long, or as we call it, to plan conservatively to make sure you'll have the assets there if you need them. What was your career path to becoming a financial planner? Oh, thank you, Rob. I will. Yeah, I'd love to share. You know, I, I started off, uh, I guess you could say, um, my adult years or, you know, started off in college thinking I was actually going to be an interior designer, if you can believe it. I, I loved art. <laughs> I used to draw all the time. But, you know, when I got into college, what I realized, yes, I could draw, but I probably wasn't the best at it. I wasn't actually sure I could make a living at it. Mm -hmm. So I started to think, well, perhaps I should target the business side of things. And so I switched my major to interior design, thinking I could, you know, employ the best of both worlds, business and maybe art or at least some aesthetic, right? But as I started to move through that um, particular major, I realized that I wasn't particularly confident that I could make a, a good living at it. And it was really important for me to be able to take good care of myself because I wasn't sure what my financial future looked like. And, you know, one of the things that was instilled in me, you know, very early is that, you know, I needed to be money smart because, you know, frankly, I had to sort of earn my own way. I started working when I was 15 and a half, right? You know, I, 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 my father and mother were, you know, uh, very middle class. You know, they were able to, you know, buy me a, a good used car when, when, I, when I got my license. But, you know, I had to buy the insurance and pay for the gas. So I had to make sure I had money coming in so that I could do that. And what I realized very early on is the importance of hard work and, and you know, earning a dollar um, and that it made me feel secure. And so... You know, frankly, after interior design, I, I, I was trying my hand at various things at junior college in Sacramento, American River College. And, well, to make a long story short, I realized that I was pretty good at accounting. And I decided to stick with that. And that, you know, eventually uh, was what I graduated with, a degree in accounting. But 
I'll cut to the chase here. One of the things that is true is while I feel like I'm pretty good with numbers, I like uh-huh. to talk a lot and I really like engaging with people. And so what I eventually found my way to was, you know, the career, a career as a financial planner. It, it, it took a winding path and I can share more of that with you if you like. Um, but that is how I got my start. I like it. EP has a great downloadable on my website called the Retirement Planning Guide. That was Stephanie Richmond. She is regional director and wealth advisor with EP Wealth. I'm super stoked to be working with her. She's a great financial planner, very insightful. Today, we talked about determining your timeline for retirement and also envisioning your retirement. There's a retirement guide at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Go download it at the Retirement Planning Guide at robblackshow.com. Honest, straightforward, and right to the point. The Rob Black Show. Had a mother-in-law scenario that got a little uncomfortable over the weekend. Um, I'm like, she brought up the transgender of should transgender females who are male anatomy be allowed to play sports? And she, she's very definitive about it. And I'm like, when was the last time you actually played a sport, and why do you care? Jeopardy champion Amy Schneider's 40-game winning streak comes to an end. I think we could all say gender doesn't matter in intelligence, right? Trans or not. Good for her. What a run. I could imagine myself 10, 15, 20 years ago going, it's tough saying her. That pronoun's bothering me because I see a man. It's okay to let things change. It really, really is. And Wall Street's changing right now. It's going from interest rates at do you know we were under 100 basis points? We were about to crack two years ago. The market, the economy was so close to disaster that we were lending money at almost nothing as the United States government as a, a, a flight to safety. We were about to crack and we didn't. And we have this massive inflation problem right now. The Fed did a great job, I believe, in not saving the economy, but keeping it on life support to give it time to work itself out, and it has inflation. So screw the Republicans right now. are like, inflation's bad. Inflation's tearing at the core of the world. Two years ago, we were at the brink of a disaster, economically speaking. You get inflation when you go from that. When you, when you shut down and say, no one go on vacation. No one go out into stores. Stay at home. You're going to build up inflation. We were at the crack. So the fact that we're transitioning to a higher interest rate environment, I'm stoked. And yet I, I come on air and I, I feel like I'm apologizing to you. Yeah, the market's having a tough day. Yeah, the market's having a... It's a correction. It's down 10% from its high. This is the best damn news that you could be dreaming of. And yet, because it's a transition, we don't like it. We don't like change. My mother-in-law, she's not bigoted, but she, she's wrong-minded and she's overly focused on the wrong thing. Should little girls who were born boys, should they be allowed to play sports? And she has an opinion. I'm like, you don't have any skin in this game. Be quiet. Don't worry about it. But let the f- younger generation figure it out. That doesn't fly over with her. She gets angry and snippy at me. I'm not the good son-in-law. I am not in any way, shape, or form. I don't play that game. So the S&P 500 is higher, the Dow's higher, the Nasdaq's higher. Yesterday at the end of the market, one o'clock, I, I, we were looking like we were going to go down 500 on the Dow. We were slated to go down 500. 
But this morning, the best possible news came with the worst possible implication. U.S. economy expanded at a 6.9% annualized rate in fourth quarter. 5.5% was expected. This is a monster blowout. This is huge. I've never dreamed of our economy growing that fast. Now, again, some of it was because we dipped into recession. Some of it was because we lowered numbers. We halted to a grind, economically speaking. I don't think I'll ever see the United States grow at a 6.9% annualized rate ever again. That's how good the number is. Now, the negative is that's going to push interest rates higher. Last year, I got a loan 2.5%, 30-year mortgage, 2.5%. Can you imagine? I'm not paying that off one second early. My accountant would slap me. I think I can beat 2.5% pretty easily. I feel most of America is well-funded in the future with our mortgage debt in large part because mortgage costs have been so low. Yes, we have bought up homes. And yes, we have taken whatever shortages are on the market and, and said, I'll take that. I'll have a second home. Who cares if my neighbor is renting? Um, I get it. US economy expanding to 6.9% annual rate is stunning. It's epic. The SEC rejects Fidelity's wise origin spot Bitcoin ETF. In February, we're going to get some White House regulations, suggestions. They're in a period of asking the public for their opinion. 10-year Treasury bond today sits at 1.8%. Yesterday, there was a little bit of a spike to 1.85. If you take a look at year-to-date on the 10-year Treasury, this year, we've gone from one5 Five, eight, up to 1.8. In the last month, we've gone from 1.46 to 1.8. In the last six months, we've gone from 1.1 to 1.8. That's a stunning move. It's a good sign, not a bad sign. For the elderly in our society, they have a scenario where they like to have you know how I, I've talked about mother-in-laws in situations like that, where they have these opinions. They want to keep money safe. They worked hard in their life. They've, they've been through wars. They've seen Kennedy assassinated. They, they want their retirement to be, ah, I can live off my cash. It would be nice if we can get the savings rates higher. And that's tied towards the 10-year treasury. When my account at a bank yields 0.01%, it's like, uh, so you mean on a hundred thousand dollars, you're gonna pay me $10 for the year. I'm like, just keep it kind of thing. But when you're yielding 1%, one and a half, 2%, it's like, I'll take that. So you see where this is going. I think we're acting as if this change, we're, we're, we're freaked out about it. We're upset by it. Grow up. Our economy is expanding. That's a good thing. Not a bad thing. We're got through this stupid pandemic and all we got is this dumb shirt. You're going to be wearing a shirt that says I'm a stupid. I get it. U.S. economy expanded last year at the fastest rate since 1984. Good news and bad news. Bad news is it creates inflation. Good news is the Fed's on the case, but they are behind the curve. Bad news, we're going to see higher interest rates and markets don't like changes, but we'll get through it. If you have a three to five year time horizon or longer, I think you'll be okay. Consult a broker advisor for taking action on anything I ever mentioned on this show. I'm Rob Black. 
irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 